Good morning. Greetings to each of you in Jesus' name. It's truly a blessing to be able to gather to worship this morning. This morning, for our council meeting, we meet in unique times. I don't know how many of y'all have thought about it today, but it has been a year since we had council meeting. And we faced and continue to face circumstances that a year ago, none of us would have imagined. We've had some troublesome and trying times, times of unrest, times of uncertainty. And it's been a time that the devil has used to work to bring division in the church and to hamper the work of Christ. As I've observed a lot of the things in relation to churches, I'm speaking in, in, in general, I'm not pointing fingers at anyone here this morning, so don't take me wrong. But as I've observed these goings on of the past months, I've had to wonder different times if some of the issues that have come up have been caused by the events of the past nine months, roughly, or whether they're underlying issues that have been brought to the forefront. And you know, we might not be able to fully determine that. But I believe that we need to be looking and focusing on a cure. We need to be doing all that we can to strengthen ourselves in the Lord and to encourage one another. I've been struggling for the last two weeks, roughly, thinking about this message this morning and what to preach. And, and my thoughts centered around some basic central thoughts that... I was having trouble really putting them in a nutshell, consolidating what I was, what, where my mind was going. Somewhere along the line, there was a song or a chorus came to my mind that tied in very much with the thoughts I was having. It's the song by Helen Lemel, Turn Your Eyes Upon Jesus. The chorus says, Turn your eyes upon Jesus. Look full in his wonderful face, and the things of earth will grow strangely dim in the light of his glory and grace. So that's the title of my message this morning, is Turn Your Eyes Upon Jesus. And it's the challenge that I'd like for each of us this morning. 
that we would be challenged to keep our focus on our, on our Lord and Savior and not on the things of the world and the things that continue to go on that bring us unrest and uncertainty. I'd like to look at a number of scriptures this morning to challenge us to keep our focus on him. And first, I'd invite you to turn with me to Matthew 14. I'd like to read Matthew 14, verse 22 through 31. Matthew 14, 22, and straightway Jesus constrained his disciples to get into a ship and to go before him unto the other side, while he sent the multitudes away. And when he had sent the multitudes away, he went up into a mountain apart to pray, and when the evening was come, he was there alone. But the ship was now in the midst of the sea, tossed with the waves, the wind was contrary. And in the fourth watch of the night, Jesus went unto them, walking on the sea. And when the disciples saw him walking on the sea, they were troubled, saying, It is a spirit, and they cried out for fear. But straightway Jesus spake unto them, saying, Be of good cheer, it is I, be not afraid. And Peter answered him and said, Lord, if it be thou, bid me, to come, bid me come unto thee on the water. And he said, Come. And when Peter was come down out of the ship, he walked on the water to go to Jesus. But when he saw the wind boisterous, he was afraid, and beginning to sink, he cried, saying, Lord, save me. Immediately, Jesus stretched forth his hand and caught him and said unto him, O thou of little faith, wherefore didst thou doubt? We'll stop reading there. This is a well-known Bible account, account of, of Jesus there in the middle of the night, coming to the disciples on the sea, walking on the water. And Peter, in his impetuous way, just said, Jesus, if it's you, tell me to come to you. And Jesus said, come. And we see that all went well for Peter as long as his faith and his focus was on the Lord Jesus Christ. But when his focus became the wind and the waves and what was going on around him, that was when he began to sink. Jesus, as he cried out for help as he was sinking, Jesus reached out and rescued him. But notice, he chided Peter for his lack of faith. This was an astounding miracle that Peter experienced. The laws of nature were suspended. You know, we know that nothing that is heavier than water can float. But the laws of nature were suspended by the power of the Lord. And we see that as long as his faith and his focus was on the one who had, the, had that power in his hand, everything was well. But when he saw the improbability of his circumstances, the impossibility of what was happening, that is when Peter failed and began to sink. And I think that the Lord used this miracle 
for a couple reasons. And I think probably the, the biggest thing he was doing here was demonstrating to his disciples that he was who he said he was. He was the Son of God. He was in charge of the entire universe. The laws of nature that say you can't walk on water are in submission to me, is what Jesus was saying. But also, I also believe that this, story, this account happened and is recorded for us as an example for us to realize that our focus needs to be on Christ all the time, lest we find ourselves like Peter, looking at the wind and the waves of life that buffet us. The winds and waves that we face aren't made of water, but they have the same effect. When we look about us at the things that are happening and the things that buffet us, it can very easily distract us from our focus on the Lord. So how do we keep our focus on the Lord? Peter had everything he needed to stay on top of the water. All he needed was focus and faith. In the same way, we have what we need to stay afloat as well. And really, it's the same thing. Spiritually, it's focus and it's faith. Our focus on Christ and our faith centered on his ability to carry us through. Just like the Peter was, was doing something that was defying the laws of nature. When we stand true for the Lord, we're doing things that defy the, the spiritual laws of this world. Because the spiritual laws of God transcend the spiritual laws of this world. But yet, I say that Peter had what it took. He had everything he needed. But can you imagine how difficult it would have been for Peter not to have looked at his surroundings? Imagine if it was you to step out of that boat into the waves. And I don't know how far away Christ was from the boat, under these conditions, I don't think it was too terribly far, but, you know, I'm standing here right now envisioning me on the edge of the boat and Christ being back there at the, the back door, 50 feet maybe. Can you imagine what it would be like to step out and, and you take that first step or two or three and then you start looking back, you know, is this real? And your focus is no longer on the Lord. Yet if he had maintained that focus, I think he would have walked the whole way without sinking. In the same way, we have a storm raging around us with many things that threaten to distract us and cause us to lose faith and cause us to look away from Christ. And in the last year, years, decade, 
or so. I would say that storm has increased dramatically. We live in a time when we're constantly bombarded with, with things that want to reach out and grab our attention and pull it away from Christ. But you know what? Most of those things that want to grab our attention and pull us our attention away from Christ, most of those things have an off switch. They have a power button. I say that because we have the ability to physically turn off a lot of the things that are distracting us today. Things like the news media, politically infused talk radio shows, social media, podcasts, and the list could go on. Those things have an off switch. They do not have to distract you. Peter couldn't turn off the waves, but I can turn off all of those things. During the last six to nine months, I've been impressed and troubled by how many Christian people have become obsessed with following politics, have become obsessed with following the many conspiracy theories regarding politics, regarding the current pandemic. And I'm not saying that we shouldn't have an awareness of what's going on in the world around us. I enjoy keeping a, a, a little bit abreast of the news. And actually, to be honest with you, the more I find myself pulling back from, from being too involved in the news, the happier I find that I am. Life goes on and God takes care of me. And as someone has said before, if I don't hear it or read it, if it's really important, I'm going to find out about it in a few days anyway. So I'm not saying that we shouldn't have any awareness of the world we live in and the things that are going on. But those things are the wind and the waves that th threaten to sink us spiritually. To pull our focus off of our Lord Jesus Christ. The wind and the waves that day, that night, held no threat to Peter as long as he had his focus on Christ. And brothers and sisters, the wind and the waves in the world today have no threat against you and me if we're focused on Christ and we're walking his path. So we don't need to look at them. We don't need to be obsessed with these things. We can focus on the one who's going to give us a sure path. Let's keep our focus on him. I invite you to turn now back to Luke chapter 8. I'm going to read more verses than I originally intended to. So looking at this this morning and I decided to read the full account. We have here the parable of the sower. 
as well as Jesus' explanation of the parable. And it's the explanation of the parable that I want us to really look at. But just to refresh it in our minds again, I'd like to read the whole thing starting at verse 5 of Luke 8. A sower went out to sow his seed, and as he sowed, some fell by the wayside, and it was trodden down, and the fowls of the air devoured it. And some fell upon a rock, and as soon as it was sprung up, it withered away, because it lacked moisture. And some fell among thorns, and the thorns sprang up with it and choked it. And other fell on good ground, and sprang up and bare fruit, and hundredfold. And when he had said these things, he cried, He, hath, he, he that hath ears to hear, let him hear. And his disciples asked him, saying, What might this parable be? And he said, said, Unto you it is given to know the mysteries of the kingdom of God, but unto others in parables, that seeing they might not see, and hearing they might not understand. Now, this, now the parable is this. The seed is the word of God. Those by the wayside are they that hear. Then cometh the devil, and taketh away the word out of their hearts, lest they should believe and be saved. They on the rock are they, which, when they hear, receive the word with joy. And these have no root, which for a while believe, and in time of temptation fall away. And that which fell among thorns are they, which, when they had heard, go forth, and are choked with the cares and riches and pleasures of this life, and bring no fruit to perfection. But that on the good ground are they which in an honest and good heart have heard the word, keep it, and bring forth fruit with patience. So here we have a parable that is a profound teaching on the effects of the hindrances and distractions of our, our relationship with the Lord. He speaks about the seed being the word. What does John 1, 1 say that the word is? So, so the word is Jesus Christ. It's not just the physical print in your Bible. It's the physical print in your Bible come to life, made real. So first we have those who hear the word of God, but the devil comes and takes the word away. How can the devil take the word of God away from us? Undoubtedly, it has to be through that distraction and lack of faith where he gets our focus off the word and, and steals it by replacing it with something else. We see also those that seed that was sown on the rock, where it was received with joy, but there was no root, and they fell away in the time of testing. And we see those that received the word, and the cares and pleasures of this life choked it out. And then there was those with the good soil that bore fruit. I would venture to say that there is no excuse for any of us who have, who know the Lord 
Through the power of Jesus Christ, there is no excuse for any of us to not bear fruit. I'd like to look a little bit deeper at these, these bad soils so we know what to guard against or what to fix in our lives. So we have those that are like the hard-packed path where the seed just lays on top of the ground. It's ready to be snatched away by the birds. To me, it speaks of those who have never cultivated the soil of their heart. You all know that I'm in the excavation industry. And in the excavation world, we have <clears throat> packers, rollers, that we use to compact, compress the soil to make a stable base to build roads, houses, buildings, etc. on. So I think of the things of the world like a roller that they pack down the soil of our hearts and make it hard and unreceptive to the seed of the word. into the Spirit's work. The things of this world have that effect. They harden us against the ways of God. <clears throat> now, we don't only have packers. We also have dozers with rippers. And a dozer with a ripper is a remarkable tool. One of the most uh, uh, impressive things maybe that I've ever done was run a D8 dozer with a five foot single shank ripper ripping shale ripping shale that was hard enough that we couldn't move it easily with, with pans and dozers but you could take that big machine and you could sink that shank five foot in the ground and walk right down through and the ground would just wiggle on both sides of that ripper and it just shattered that hard material. Now we're not doing that kind of work in preparation for planting and for seed but the illustration is that when we have allowed the things of the world to pack down the soil of our hearts, we need to apply the ripper of God's word and the Holy Spirit to loosen that soil up. To pull out, we need to pull out the rocks of self and get rid of the hard pan of pride. Jeremiah 23, 9 says, Is not my word like as a fire, saith the Lord, and like a hammer that breaketh the rock in pieces? God's word and his spirit, if we allow, applied to our heart, can break up that hard soil where the cares of this world and the things of, of this world have compacted and made it unreceptive to growth. Then we have those where the seed was sown on the rock. 
And I envision that as a place where there's a thin layer of soil. It may be shallow, it may have some, some moisture, it's gonna be warm, that seed's gonna grow, but as soon as it grows a little bit and it gets hot, dries out, and it dies. I looked at a property just this past week where a guy wants to build a house. It was a pretty good looking farm field that he had bought two acres of. This time of year, you can't see what the crops are like, but gave every evidence of being a, a good fertile field. We walked across that two acres and almost right away, I started seeing places where there was just a little rock shining through. There was strong evidence that when excavation begins, there's going to have to be some rock that is dealt with. There was something below the surface that is hard and unyielding and unsuitable for deep roots. In the same way, the person who is like this rocky soil has something below the surface that's hard and unyielding. Something called self. And Jesus says that if we're going to follow him, we have to forsake self. We have to get rid of that underlying rock. Turn back to Luke 14. Just what I'd like to read just a couple of verses here. Verse 25 through 27 and then 33. And there went great multitudes with him, and he turned and said unto them, If any man come to me, and hate not his father and mother, and wife, and children, and brethren, and sisters, yea, in his own life also, he cannot be my disciple. And, so, and whosoever doth not bear his cross, and come after me, cannot be his disciple. Cannot be my disciple. In verse 33. So likewise, whosoever he be of you, that forsaketh not all that he hath, he cannot be my disciple. Well, Jesus here in verse 26 isn't speaking of, of a hatred like we think of a hatred. I didn't look this up, but I think maybe there's a translation that, that puts it that instead of hate not his father, mother, etc., it says that love them, has the idea of loving them less than Christ. Christ has to be first. Me, my things, my family, whatever, has to be subservient to Christ. So three times Jesus stated here in these short, this short little passage that unless we give up, Self, we cannot be his disciple. We give up self and, and things of, of self. Like that property I looked at this week, last week. We can look good on the surface, 
but underneath that thin veneer of good soil is a hard outcropping of self that will not allow the Word of God to really get down and put down a deep root and produce a crop. And when that underlying rock of self is there, when the time of testing comes, that rock of self-will is going to strongly influence our, our, ourselves in the, in the way of self. It's going to influence us in the way that self wants to go and not in the direction that God would have us to go. Satan wants us to believe that self-will and the word of God can coexist in our lives. But Jesus says that it can't. Moving on, we also see the danger of having the word choked out by thorns. I believe this might be one of the more subtle influences we face that the cares, the riches, and pleasures of this life choke out God's word. Notice this soil isn't unproductive. It's not shallow. Seems like things grow well there. But the problem is what's growing there. And I'd like to think about these three thorns. There's, notice there's three he, he talks about the thorns that choke out, and he mentions three things. So I'd like to look at those three things a little bit that he says will choke out the word. The cares of life are a continual distraction for all, for all of us. Life is full, and it's busy of just taking care of our families and our immediate responsibilities. but sometimes we make ourselves busier probably than what we would need to be. And I'd like to look at Luke 10, a few verses there. Luke 10, 38 through 42. Now it came to pass as they, they went that they entered into a certain village and a certain woman named Martha received him into her house. And she had a sister called Mary, which also sat at Jesus' feet and heard his word. But Martha was cumbered about much serving and came to him and said, Lord, dost thou not care that my sister has left me to serve alone? Bid her, therefore, that she help me. And Jesus answered and said unto her, Martha, Martha, thou art careful and troubled about many things, but one thing is needful. And Mary hath chosen that good part, which shall not be taken away from her. Here we have, it just amazes me how some of these little, just little incidents that happened in Jesus' ministry are recorded. This, this seems like such an uh, insignificant little thing, but I think there's a, a real lesson in it for us. That in the midst of the busyness of life and the cares of life and the things that need to happen, that it's possible for us to choose that which is better 
like Mary, sitting at the feet of Jesus. Where is your focus? Are you taking time to sit at Jesus' feet and to learn from him? Or is your focus the cares of life? You know, it's easy to feel like that there's, there's just not enough time to spend a lot of time with the Lord in prayer and Bible reading, etc. But you know what Jesus said in Matthew 6, 33? He said, but seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things shall be added unto you as well. Our focus, first of all, needs to be on God's kingdom, not on my kingdom. And I think that this little illustration of, of Mary and Martha reminds us of that, that in the midst of the busyness of life, there is time for the things of God. The next thorn that Jesus mentions is riches. You know, Jesus condemned the pursuit of wealth different times, telling us that different times and in different ways that it's impossible to, to, to serve or pursue riches and love God at the same time. The love and the desire for riches will undoubtedly lead us away from the Lord and take our eyes off him. And I think we struggle with that. You know, why, why is that? Um, and I think that it's so because many of the principles that Jesus gave us to live by, the, the principles of of giving up self and serving others are contrary to the principles that we have to live by if our focus is on pursuing wealth or riches. So if that's our goal, we're going to find ourselves compromising and applying the word completely to our lives. Because the two, the two don't parallel at times, they intersect. And at that point, our focus becomes no longer on Jesus. But it becomes on the things of the world and what we're trying to gain and attain to. And he says the word's going to be choked out, become ineffective in our lives. Then the last of the three thorns is one that I believe is plaguing our people much today, and that's the thorn of the pleasures of this life. We live in a society where we have untold opportunities, abilities, and finances to pursue pleasures. And I believe that pleasure-seeking has robbed the church of much time and many resources of its members. And I just ask, how do you think God looks at our pleasure-seeking 
when it's done at the expense of furthering his kingdom. That's speaking more in a broad sense, but on a personal level. Pleasure-seeking will pull our focus off of Jesus because really, pleasure-seeking is promoting self, not him. And you know, we say that we need recreation. We need time together as family doing things. We need time with our friends doing things. And those things do have some validity. I don't want to deny that. We need to recognize that there is a danger in seeking and pursuing pleasure. Jesus said that it will choke out the effectiveness of his word in our lives and cause us to be unfruitful. So if we are focusing on pursuing and attaining to pleasures in this life, we're going to be like Peter and find our focus off of the Lord and find ourselves beginning to lose out or sink spiritually. The thought of, back to the title of the message, the thought of turning our eyes on Jesus gives us the idea of a close and personal relationship with him. And that, I think, is the antidote to being like Peter and beginning to sink or finding our lives our hearts full of unproductive soil or being choked with the things of this life. You know, at council meeting, we focus on our individual relationship with the Lord, with others, as well as with the church. But I've been impressed with how important our individual, personal relationship with the Lord Jesus Christ is. In fact, if our personal walk with the Lord isn't in order, Our relationship with others and with the church probably isn't going to be in order either. So yes, we're part of a congregation. We're part of a brotherhood. But yet, my personal walk with the Lord is so important. You know, when Peter stepped out of that boat and started to walk on the water and then began to sink, There were 11 men close behind him that could do nothing to save him. It was up to Peter to be focused on Jesus. Yes, we're influenced, we're encouraged by our fellow believers. But you know what? The hard decisions, the determination to not give in to temptation... The resolve to seek to draw nearer to the Lord. The determination to keep our focus solely on Him. Are things that happen within your own heart and within your own experience. I can encourage you to that. I can encourage you to a closer walk with the Lord. But you have to make the decision to follow through with it. I can encourage you to break up the hard soil so the seed of the word can take root and grow in your life. But you have to make the decision. You have to act on it. The depth 
of your relationship with the Lord is your choice. And the degree of focus and attention that you give to him versus the attention you give to the things of this world around you is your choice. It was Peter's choice to start looking around at what was going on in, in the sea around him. As I said earlier, we've just come through eight months, roughly, of changes that we could hardly imagine a year ago. Changes that caused a lot of distraction, a lot of deviations from our normal ways of doing things. But you know what? In spite of all those changes, Jesus never changed. Jesus never moved. In the midst of uncertainty and changes and upheaval, we can still keep our eyes on Jesus. We can still have our focus on him and not on the waves that are crashing around us. We can still maintain a close relationship with him. We can still be like Mary and sit at Jesus' feet rather than being encumbered with all the cares of life. So where's your focus today? <clears throat> There's countless things calling for your attention. Whether it's the latest political news, economic predictions, pandemic headlines, or a new conspiracy theory. What is going to get your attention today, tomorrow, in the days and weeks, years ahead? I fear that Satan has made great inroads into the church by distracting us from the events in the world around us as well as by choking out our relationship with him and the effectiveness of his word in our lives through the ensnaring us in the cares of this life But my challenge for us today is that we would all, like Mary, choose to sit at Jesus' feet, choose to keep our focus solely on him, and not let the wind and the waves of this world distract us, and that we would break up that hard, stony ground in our lives and root out any thorns that are choking the word so that God's word can be effective and that we can collectively and individually bear fruit for the Lord. There's been a lot of talk about the restrictions and the separations of the past months. i tell you something, brothers and sisters, we ain't seen nothing. There are Christians who experience way more separation, way more restrictions than we have ever even imagined. And they're faithful because their, their focus is on the Lord Jesus Christ. And you and I can be at the same place today, no matter what happens, 
today or tomorrow or next month or next year. So let's be faithful. Let's keep our focus on our Lord. Let's have a song.